Jesus Christ is risen today. Good morning. I want to invite any of our younger worshipers to join me closer to the screen for Time of Discovery or any of our younger worshipers who are worshiping on our podcast just listening right now. Get your ear as close to the speaker as you can or that your parents will allow. <laughs> it is Easter and happy Easter to all of our real superheroes and our real friends who unfortunately are not able to worship with us in person, but hopefully soon enough, I have our, in the meantime, I have our pretend superheroes and our pretend friends here to be here in your place. Uh, thank you for being our real superheroes, getting us through these hard times by doing schoolwork, whether it's on Zoom or in person. One day it's different than the other day, and still getting homework sometimes and thank you for continuing to take care of your homes and your parents who uh, 
are under a lot of stress sometimes and thank you for taking care of your siblings. Thank you for taking care of me and our church and just bringing joy by your smile and your laughter. You are really doing amazing work at getting us through this hard time. You know, I hope that it's coming to an end, don't you? Do you feel like it's kind of getting close to coming to an end? Goodness, I hope so. You know, I want to ask you something. I have noticed something. Now, I have been to a lot of different churches, but all of them have the same symbol all around them. They have one symbol that's all around the church, no matter what church it is. Yes, I am Groot. You are absolutely right, Groot. I am Groot. It is a cross. We see a cross at every church we go to. They're everywhere. And they remind us of this holy week, that Jesus, our leader, and our superhero, and our dearest friend, suffered and was hurt. And that actually sounds kind of sad, doesn't it? Well, I think there is a connection between the story of Jesus and what we've been going through in the last year. We have been frustrated and sad and worried and a lot of us have suffered in some way. But the best part about Easter is that's not the end of the story. Do you know what happens on Easter? You're right, Barbie. Jesus comes back. <laughs> that is right. Jesus comes back. And you know, I have to imagine that a lot of Jesus' friends, they were probably pretty scared and pretty worried that things would never get better. But Jesus came back and they got to have dinner with him again and they got to go to the beach with him again and they got to go out together again. They got to travel with him again. And there are a lot of things that we haven't gotten to do in the last year, aren't they? Aren't there? Can you think about a lot of the things that you haven't been able to do for the last year? Thor, yes, Thor. You're right. I know you haven't been able to travel to your own galaxy in forever. It's so far away. You can only you can't even leave the state and you got to leave the whole planet. We haven't been able to travel. And yes, Captain America, you're right. We haven't been able to sing and we haven't been able to dance for our friends and family like we used to on stage and all those performances we used to have. And yes, Iron Man. You're right, we haven't been able to do sports with our friends. Can I tell you something? I'm, you're right, Spider-Man. Some of us have started to play sports again, haven't we? And you're right, Barbie. Some of us have started to get to go to school again. It almost feels like Easter, doesn't it? It kind of feels like things are getting back, that things are coming back. So I just want you guys to know, enjoy this. Enjoy Easter, and every time you get to do something again after you had to give it up, when you get to see your friends and when you get to give a hug to your family members again for the first time in a long time, it is just like Easter. It is new life. It is joy, and it is a reminder to us that we never give up and we keep trying to make things better because someday they're going to get better. Thank you for helping make them get better to all of our real superheroes. 
we are really looking forward to the day that we can have our real superheroes and our real friends sitting right back down here again. Because no offense to you fake friends and fake superheroes, but we're really looking forward to that. Thank you for helping us to keep getting there. We have a lot to talk to God about this year. How do we even talk to God about all the frustrations and all the joys of Easter? Well, if you want to know how to talk to God about all this, join us on our church's YouTube channel for our Sunday School lesson. Join us on our podcast for our Sunday School lesson, and we will see you there. Happy Easter. As we move to our time of prayer this morning, I do invite you to share your joys and your concerns with each other. If you're watching on Facebook, go ahead and type right into the comment section. If you would like to be in prayer with us during the week, reach out to one of us on staff. We are always happy to be in prayer with you. So let's begin our prayer time with a few moments of quiet, and then I will lead us in our Easter prayer together. Let us pray. On this Easter morning, we welcome you, Jesus, into our lives. We welcome your resurrection, for it is life-changing, life-giving, life-sustaining. We welcome the hope it brings to our world. We welcome the joy it brings to our darkness. May your resurrection give life to those who feel lifeless and those who are just going through the motions. May your resurrection give hope to those who are mired in despair, to all those who feel hopeless. May your resurrection give joy to those who feel no joy or have had their joy snuffed out. On this Easter morning, O oh God, Christ's resurrection gives us hope that nothing, no thing and no one is beyond the redemptive power of your love. This is the truth of your kingdom a kingdom for which we now pray, using the words your Son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
scripture reading is from John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Listen for how the Spirit is speaking to you today through these words. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb 
and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabunai, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me. Because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. The second reading comes from the letter 1 Corinthians, chapter 5, the second half of verse 6 through verse 8. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to us right here, right now. Paul writes, Do you not know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Clean out the old yeast, so that you may be a new batch. You really are unleavened. For our Paschal Lamb Christ has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Friends, this is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. I delivered the Easter sermon last year from my living room, something I never thought I would say. At that point, we knew that the pandemic was here to stay, but we weren't sure how long that journey was going to be. We found ourselves, many of us, largely confined to our homes, except for an occasional outing to the grocery store or to get a little exercise in the fresh air. That was the extent of our existence. As many of you know, I have a practice in springtime where I sketch out the year's worth of worship services. And so it wasn't long after that that I looked to even this service today. And when I returned to those notes a few days ago, I found the question, where will we be with COVID? And here we are wondering whether we'd be able to finally sing with full voice, the strife is o'er, the victory won, that great Easter hymn. 
Partway through the pandemic, a disappointing realization landed with me that when this was all over, God willing, it wouldn't come with a sudden burst of joyful liberation. It's not like the doors to everything would suddenly burst open. We would fling up our masks and run in wherever the inn is that we were waiting to run. The church wouldn't open in one sweeping moment with one week everyone at home and the next week everyone here celebrating, breaking bread together, embracing those of the faith. Families wouldn't all be reunited at once, but no, the return, the coming out would come incrementally with fits and starts. And surprisingly, it would even be scary to some, just one of the many traumas we've endured, and we have endured many this past year. It's human nature, I know, to rank sufferings, to want to compare them, and perspective is good to keep, blessings are good to count. But don't fool yourself. You've been through it. Hurt hurts. And denying it or denying another won't do anyone any good. Here we are. Easter. Partway out, partway still in. Having been through a year of utterly unfamiliar territory for many of us. Brought back to the familiarity of this story. Where John tells us we find Mary Magdalene setting out for the tomb of Jesus. The other Gospels talk about women coming to anoint the body with perfume and oils, burial rituals. But John just tells us Mary set out in the dark. We don't entirely know why. What was it that caused her to set out and to set out in the dark, not entirely a safe time for her, for a woman by herself in that time period or ours. Perhaps she had given up on her own safety at that point. Perhaps her sleep was so restless three days in that she could only get up. And where else could she go? Where else was a fitting place for her grief than a cemetery? Perhaps she just wanted to be close to him or what was left of him. We have no sense that she was expecting what she would encounter there. Things were so dark, I wouldn't put it past her, nor would I hold it against her. If she just wanted to crawl in the tomb with him. Many people have experienced that kind of darkness take hold in their lives. Maybe it's of comfort to know that that's what was happening with Mary that day, perhaps. It takes a certain kind of strength, a certain kind of resilience to show up at the tomb of your hopes. And you have shown up this year. I try to be very careful to draw superficial parallels to the grand moments in scripture and the everyday ordinary lives we have. But it doesn't feel like that much of a stretch this year for the darkness that we've been experiencing, fumbling in unknown territory, not altogether safe ourselves. Some of us finding 
great despair. We have shown up not always in ways that we would like, but here we are and here we have been. And when Mary shows up, against all odds, against her expectations likely, against all reasonable explanations, she finds that Jesus is not there. And we're told, according to John, that the men come to, the men, they come and they go. They're in the rush to just to do something as we are so tempted to do, even though they're not sure what has happened or what to make of it. I think we know that feeling, but Mary stays with it. She stays at the place of her grief. She doesn't flee to try to appease it with some activity. And in that moment of vulnerability, scripture says she weeps, she lets it out. I would hope that in this moment you could mirror that, that just for a moment you could let down and let it out. Because in that gift of vulnerability that she offers to the world, she is graced with an encounter from God, angels, messengers from heaven. And then Jesus himself meets her there. And in that encounter, born by God's grace and her own vulnerability, Mary is given the one thing she needs to carry on, a reason for hope, which may be the only thing we truly need. John Walton tells a story, and perhaps I've told it here before. He was a Presbyterian pastor, he's now retired, in New York City, and a couple comes to him to offer a query. They're raising their young children, and they're not sure how to do so in the faith. They say, we want our children to find their own path, to learn to think for themselves, to make their own decisions, reasonable things, one might think on the surface. But Walton recognizes that the true reasons for their inquiry come when they acknowledge that they're not entirely sure what they believe. I mean, how do you know, they ask. Without much hesitation, Walton responds, if you can't tell them what you believe, tell them what you hope. Tell them what you hope for in this world because what people need more than certainty is a reason for hope. That's what the resurrection gives us. Through the testimony of the people who were there, a reason for hope. Unreasonable as it may be, the resurrection says to us that sometimes when it seems like it's over, it's not truly over, whatever the it is. That somehow it's going to be okay. It will work out on some timeline in some form that we may not even yet understand. It will be okay. The resurrection says to us in a manner of speaking that we may be done with God, but God is not done with us. That despite all that we turn away from, all that we turn toward, all the outright meanness, all the violence we inflict on one, one another and ourselves, 
all the weaponizing of ignorance and the manipulation of people who want only to do what is right, but are deceived into doing what is hurtful for the benefit of a few. Despite all of that, the resurrection says, I'm not finished with you, and I will not give up. God stands by the resurrection as the final word. But in the Christian tradition, in the Christian story, the resurrection is not simply an event. The resurrection is a vindication of a way that is eternal, that continues and flows right through this moment. As our Mandalorian friends would say, this is the way. That's what the resurrection says to us. The radical love that is the way we see most clearly in Jesus is the way. And it ultimately wins. And so what's being crucified in the crucifixion is not our hope. Because our hope rises again. What's crucified, what is put to death, is the way of death, of fear and intimidation, of violence, or as Paul would say, of malice and evil. For Paul says, our paschal lamb, Jesus Christ, has been sacrificed. So let us celebrate not with the old yeast of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now don't get hung up on the sacrifice language, language that has been poisoned by modern thought, quite frankly. What Paul is hearkening back to is the Older Testament story of the Passover, when the people were oppressed, held in the narrow place. That's what Egypt means. And God comes to liberate them just as God comes to liberate all. And plagues come to the oppressor to encourage them to set them free. And the final plague is an angel of death who will sweep through and take the firstborn. And the people are spared through the blood of a sacrificial lamb smeared on their door. They're rescued from that. And Paul uses that image to speak of how Jesus rescues from the way of death. And then Jesus, then Paul moves to, to speak to the image of the unleavened bread for the people as they fled. They had to move in haste and didn't have time for anything but unleavened bread to take on their journey, which would be decades long to their own freedom. And so they take with them unleavened bread, and it was unleavened bread that sustained them. And Paul says to us, what should sustain us is not the old ways of malice and evil, but the bread sincerity and truth. That's the resurrection. Take with you the bread of sincerity and truth because that's what will rise ultimately. My Easter sermon was finished in my mind, so I thought last Sunday when into my study came a man and he said to me, this is the 40th anniversary of my coming here. Not the date, he clarified, but Palm Sunday, Sunday the Palms, he said, going between Spanish and English. 
and he proceeded to tell me unprompted his story about being a young man in El Salvador, a country that was torn apart by violence, you could say by malice and evil. It wouldn't be a stretch. And he told me of the day that an armed guerrilla came to him and said, you join us or I will kill you. And there wasn't much of a choice in El Salvador at the time. You either joined the military or you joined the guerrillas. There was no staying out of it. But the man resisted at gunpoint and said, you will have to kill me because I'm not coming with you. And the man threatened again and says, you come with me or we'll kill you. And even handed him a gun and said, come with us. The man handed it back and said, I don't want it. I won't come with you. I should tell you at this moment that the gorilla was that man's uncle, his own flesh and blood. And he says, perhaps because of that, I will give you one more chance. But if we come back and you don't come with us, I will kill you. And he left. And the man went to his other uncle and asked, what should I do? That uncle had raised him and the other uncle said, You've saved some money from your work in the bank. Go and take it out and find a way to get to the United States. And so he did at great risk, at great peril. And he made it here where he was later granted amnesty and later still beyond that citizenship. His long journey of suffering, malice and evil All he had was hope, but it was borne out. You can ask him about it. He's not standing far from here. His name is Jesus, Jesus, Hosada, the beloved sexton of this church, who told me his story, who told me I could tell you, for he has told it in certain places in certain formats before. And if there's a finer example of sincerity and truth lived out, I challenge you to show it to me. Finer than Jesus will be difficult to match. Resurrection says to us that somehow hope and sincerity wins. And to be people of the resurrection is to trust that we do have a hope. And in the strength that we're given from that hope, to commit ourselves to putting away the ways of malice and evil and making our way sincerity and truth. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed.
As always, we like to remind you of the ways that you can give of your offerings and your pledges to Westminster. You can write a check and send that into the church office. You can go to our website, to our Give page, or you can text to give. We thank you so much for the many ways that you generously give to the ministry of Westminster. A couple things coming up that I want you to know about. Uh, this Wednesday morning, our own Brooke Scott will be beginning a class series on bold women of the Bible. That will be the four Wednesdays of April at 9.30 a.m. You're welcome to join us for one or all of those classes on Zoom. This coming Saturday morning, our Buildings and Grounds Commission is sponsoring a work day to help beautify our frost garden area. Um, it will be um, outside, masked, socially distanced, a safe way to help uh, serve our church, help our church look a little more beautiful on the outside. So if you're willing to help with that, we do invite you to sign up in advance so we can know how many people will be there. Uh, you can find that link on the e-news or on the website. Will you join with me now in our closing hymn? Hymn 236 is a little bit unusual in that it has an Alleluia refrain at the beginning and end of the hymn that is different from the Alleluia statement at the end of each verse. But it will also serve as the introduction. receive this benediction. 
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed.